Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. My guest today is Ben Smith. Ben is a fitness and nutrition coach, entrepreneur, army veteran, and mental health advocate based in Los Angeles. With more than a decade working in health and fitness, he has led programming at respected strength training gyms in LA, developed online training for high-performing individuals all over the world, and currently travels the globe as a performance coach for clients in the music industry. Ben leverages his performance and his platform to promote holistic mind-body wellness by candidly sharing his own experiences along the way. We're excited to have Ben with us today as we discuss fitness and nutrition and its physiological and its psychological benefits to our mental well-being. Ben, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Hi, Graham. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to jump into this and just to to chat with you. So thank you so much. Well, well, let's jump in. Let's start with, you know, as as we start out, let people know what your start in this whole field was of fitness, nutrition, mental wellness. How'd you get started? Yeah, well, so growing up, I was an athlete my whole life. I think like most young boys from middle America, I was, I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. Sports were the thing. And if you, if you happen to be good at sports, you know, like anything, if you're good at it, you want to do more of it. And so sports, specifically team sports, were my entire focus as a kid into my young adolescent. And then I graduated high school and I joined the military. And the military is a very similar situation, very similar to team sports. The context is no longer how many points I score on the football field or on the baseball diamond, but now the context is war fighting. It's more grave. There's more on the line, the connections, the team building, everything is just intensified. So this will ultimately lead to the work that I do now. It's like this, my need to develop teams, develop leaders. That's the thing I'm really drawn to. And so I, I exit the, the military in 2018. And I think I am this super high performer. I've been capable in every job I've ever had. I've never failed at anything in my life. Uh, the civilian world in my transition is going to be much the same. I'm going to leave the army. Everyone's going to recognize how great I am. They're going to see what an asset I'll be to their company, to their organization, to whatever. And very quickly, I realized that that is not the case at all. Mm. Nobody cares at all about what I've done or Mm. who I think I am or the rank that I held or my awards and ribbons or, or whatever it was. And so I myself go through this massive identity crisis at the end of 2018. I leave the military after nearly a decade. Uh, I try and find employment in the civilian workforce, generally unsuccessful there. I leave a relationship that I thought might last forever. I move across the country to a city that I definitely can't afford to live in. And there was just this perfect storm of inputs that took me to a place where I didn't understand how I was feeling or how to navigate those feelings. And so I went through my own mental health crisis. I attempted suicide a number of times Mm. from the end of 2018 into early 2019. Thankfully, I was unsuccessful, but that initiated a cascading effect of of me exploring and learning all of these different wellness protocols and practices that could be valuable to me and also the people I work with. So I find myself in therapy. I start integrating breath work, exposure therapies like cold, heat, psychedelics. I get sober and then now... I am able to continue my healing journey and then invite people to participate with me. So a lot of the work that I do now is really just Ben healing Ben. And then I invite people who are interested in experiencing the same healing journey that I'm on and shoulder to shoulder, we navigate that thing together. 
I love, like I said, team building, being a part of a team is the thing that I love more than anything else. And so my goal is to create that in the lives of people where they might be missing that, that shared mission, that shared companionship. And so a lot of my work, a lot of my work is really centered about around creating that team atmosphere where it might not be, you know, readily available or accessible. And then just helping people, helping people navigate a situation that might be inherently quite stressful. It could be fitness. It could could be nutrition. It could be mental health related. It's been the coolest experience of my life. Yeah. So that's where I, I am today. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. I, to be honest with you, I didn't anticipate quite the level of transparency, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. I think one of the things that we get to do on this show is to normalize life yeah, and to validate that life happens and many things in life happen to us. And our our task is to find a way or make a way through them. Yeah, And there are no shortcuts. There are no easy ways through things that are difficult. And sometimes, you know, sometimes things are larger and stronger and bigger and than we may be in a moment and they can be truly overwhelming, yeah. more so than we could ever fathom. And what I so admire, one, you didn't give up. I really admire that piece. And then two, it sounds like one of the many things you did was to plug yourself into some therapy, maybe to kind of get some perspective yeah. and some sense of what am I even in? And then once I get grounded in what I'm in, how do I find my way through and then out of and maybe transcend some things? You're talking about a story of transcendence here. Yeah. To your point, therapy was the mechanism that allowed me to put language around the things that I was feeling. Yeah. For for the first 28 years of my life, I didn't even understand that I was feeling things. Yeah. I was so detached. And that's a function of my, you know, my upbringing, the sure. dynamics in my childhood home. Being an athlete. Dynamic, yeah. The dyna- yeah. Yeah. The, dy- all, the dynamics in, in the locker room. Yeah. Even more the dynamics in the, in the army. You know, it's yeah. just, it's very funny how you find yourself in situations that are uh, just a pattern repeat. Yeah. It's like, I'm drawn to a scenario that just fills the void when I leave one situation and there was a pattern that was present, it's like, I do everything I can subconsciously to recreate that pattern in the new experience. And so I just found myself in places where everything kept, you know, mirroring that past experience. You talk about transcendence. It was like, I was transcending one less than optimal experience into another less than optimal experience into another less than optimal experience. And they were compounding in a way that led me to this, ultimately this like critical mass. I said, perfect storm before, but this critical mass where I wasn't even connected to who I was as a person. I wasn't connected to the things I was experiencing internally or externally. I don't know what, I don't know where I was for my twenties. And then really I owe a lot of this to, to a small group of people that were like the people that I had in my immediate circle during these times of, of, of really having a lot of, a lot of problems. And I found specifically somatic healing work. I found a a therapist who was a student of polyvagal theory and, Mm -hmm. and understanding how the body is truly the driver of, of all of this healing. The goal was autonomous autonomic nervous system regulation and learning how to just calm myself down. I joke, if you Google the least calm person in the world, my photo pops up. You know, up. I think I might have um, seen you when I was kind of Googling yeah. it the other day. I, I did that. I, yeah. I think I saw your mug pop up. Yeah. And what's mind blowing to me is now I help other people navigate yeah. that. Yeah. We talked about, you said, you mentioned that I work with musicians and you can imagine getting on stage in front of 50,000 oh, yeah. people to play your life's work mm-hmm. might be scary. Yeah. And so my, my job now as a coach is really just to create a container that feels safe where people can vulnerably show up 
and express themselves in yeah. a way that might be scary and then yeah. take ownership of that expression and then be the driver and be in charge of it. Cause like very quickly I like create the space and I kind of just step back. Yeah. And people get to, people get to like, they're the ones leading. And I love that. I love that so much to be just an observer to, mm-hmm. to the spectacle for lack of a better term. Yeah. You know, I really love that. I'm going to be very blunt here. You know, a lot of people say, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Guy, guy, guy's a fitness coach. He comes in and he helps, you know, people in gyms or musicians, you know, lift a few weights, go out on stage and, you know, look good and everything yeah. else. You're talking about so many other things that you're able to bring. Yeah. That I think is such a wonderful opportunity for folks basically to come into this space that you create, that you've been in yourself and successfully have gone through. And it's not like you create that space and you kind of see where they're at. And then you find ways to come alongside them to say, hey, what if we maybe can incorporate some of these things? Let's talk a bit about that space. That space you create, people come on into it. You mentioned musicians just a moment ago. We're going going to, but who are some of the folks that typically come to see you, Ben? It's a lot of founder type people. So people who are incredibly busy devoted to their work, you know, running six, seven, eight, nine figure operations. Their adult life has probably been dedicated to building this thing, this concrete thing. And they've maybe neglected their own personal wellness, the health of their relationships, um, any any number of things, but it's probably very heavily weighted towards work performance. Yeah. I had a personal training business here in Los Angeles and I was working for a couple of gyms, owned my own space, was doing a lot of work in film and television. And, you know, the the film and television personality, not dissimilar to the high performing founder, yeah. has probably dedicated a large majority of their adult and probably even childhood life to like becoming a master of their craft mm-hmm. or growing success professionally. So the the characteristics across all the populations were very, very similar. It was like they were all in need of the same thing. And it probably more than anything was just learning how to get out of their thinking head and into mm-hmm. their feeling body. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my own experience and I was like, oh, in the times where I was experiencing the most stress or the most overwhelm were times where I had neglected my physical body. And so I kind of just drew the connection where I was like, oh, maybe the easiest way to access connection to the body is just by moving that body. And so mm-hmm. we use we use physical fitness as a gateway to improve mental, emotional and spiritual wellness. So, yes, I do present as like the gym guy. I am a meathead. Like I've spent my entire life in a gym. Yeah, um, but you bring but, so far much more than that. But yeah, and and this is my own personal journey. What yeah. I love that you've mentioned this so early on. It's inherently terrifying for me to be like, "Hey, like I also do this other thing." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also help people navigate stressors outside yeah. of the weight room. Right. And and it's it's this is my own growth, you know, as a as a wellness coach as a mentor as a as a person to step into this place that's a bit scary a bit unknown for me and it's doing things like this that have allowed me to do that so i i you know in the same way that i'm working with people shoulder to shoulder it's like this is my attempt at navigating a stressful situation with you here today like you're assisting me and so i'm incredibly grateful for the experience mm-hmm. and for the opportunity to to talk about these mm-hmm. things that mean so much to me yeah. but to answer your original question it's mostly like really high performing creatives, uh-huh. really high performing founders. I love the musician demographic because a touring musician mirrors my experience, not only in team sport, but also in the military. Got it. Like I come in, I'm like a squad leader. I've got my little babies. I'm the mother duck. They're my chicks. We're, we're doing this thing together. 
And the frequency of performance is so similar to that of an athlete. Like you can imagine a baseball player, they play baseball games, you know, triple digit baseball games in a year. It's night after night, after night, after night, city after city, after city. Yeah. The same thing for a musician and different than someone who's in film or television. There's no Mm post-production. It's live. They get up there and they have to go. They have to perform. Yeah. I have just loved the commitment. There's a level of commitment there that is unlike other demographics. And so it's interesting when you put like it that I, way, I, I think, yeah. I think to be successful with the folks you're talking about, it has to be, you have to be all in and there has to oh, be a yeah. lot of commitment. Like you're saying, no wavering, I, no wavering. I, yeah. And I think the challenge with that unknowingly is that when you're so, when you're so outer focused to be successful, when you reach those things, you forget about what you just said right there. So I could say, you know, Hey, what brings most people to see you? What I'm hearing you say is that most people that come to see me, at some level, you give me the, the the type of people that come to see you. Yeah. But what brings most people to see you, it sounds like, is what you help them see is that they've gotten out of touch with themselves. They've lost For connection sure. with who they are, which is what you said your story was, and that you had to kind yeah. of reconnect from a really kind of base yeah. level. And, and it doesn't get any more base than one's vagal nerve. People don't understand that 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 nerve runs down through all of our organs. And if we can yeah. activate that nerve, we, we can bring a calm and a connection to our true self from the inside out. So you're talking about almost working from the inside out here to help people reconnect, reintroduce themselves to themselves and then take it from there. Yeah. I've been incredibly lucky that this journey mirrors my own journey. And I think it's like, it makes perfect sense that it's evolved this way. But to your point about like, how do I actually get clients? Mm -hmm. My business is completely referral based. Mm-hmm. word of mouth referral base. I do incredible work. Like, and I'm confident in saying that. I do incredible work with the people yeah. I work with and they tell their friends Yeah. and then I do the work with them and it, and it's just expanded in that way. And like, what an incredible situation. Like I cannot believe that it's, it has materialized in this way, but it just goes to show the more you lean into authenticity, the more you lean into the thing that you, and this is funny, I'm using these words very specifically, but the thing that you feel is best for you, yeah. Like actually feeling that I'm doing what I'm supposed yeah. to do. It's been incredible how the world has just kind of unfolded in front of me. And I I yeah. I know saying that that some of the listeners are like, well, that's not available to me. Dude, I have a family and my job is like grueling and my boss is a dick and like I hate everything. Yeah. Yeah. But like there are domains of your life where that is available to you. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked, you know, about a lot of things so far, but like when I work with somebody, there are two parts of the process that are most important. And mm-hmm. the first is just dis- deciding what the future is, like the future that's worth living. What is our aim? What is our direction? What is the goal? It could be to put on the best possible performance night after night after night. It could be to improve the relationships between the members of our band mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. members of my family or whatever it is. And it might be variable across different people. But first, the goal is to decide what that future is, that ideal future that we want to live. And then kind of working back into the present moment and figuring out what the next right manageable step is in the direction of that future. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Nearly nine in 10 registered voters believe the nation faces a mental health crisis, according to a new USA Today Suffolk University poll. Americans are more concerned than ever about their mental health. Mental health first aid provides the resources and training to identify, understand, and respond to signs of mental health and substance use challenges. 
It provides the confidence and skills needed to offer life-saving assistance, and it provides peace of mind. Our experts provide mental health first aid training for adults, teens, caregivers, veterans, law enforcement, EMS, and school faculty. Mental health concerns are on the rise, but evidence-based training through mental health first aid can make a difference. Visit mentalhealthfirstaid.org to find a course near you or email hello at mentalhealthfirstaid.org to schedule a training. Courses are available for individuals, groups, organizations, and companies of all sizes. Visit mentalhealthfirstaid.org and make a difference in your community. I really like that. So that priority piece, it's not like you're kind of vision casting here where you're saying, well, what, 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 what do you want most? And you kind of set that goal. And then ideally everything you do lines up with that goal. And if you're not doing those things in line, well, then you're not, you're not focused on that priority. I know a uh, very, very personally a guy named Marv Dumphy. He is the, he's the volleyball equivalent of John Wooden, UCLA, out okay. of UCLA back in the day, just yeah. been yeah. there, done that, everything, Olympics, world, just yeah. phenomenal man. And so, so very wise. He coached up at Pepperdine for a number of years, coached my son. And I asked him one time, I said, what, what separates the elite athletes, that very small percentage yeah. from the others that are just really, really, really good? And he says, those athletes that are elite, they don't do anything that would distract or deter from them hitting their goals. Yep. Which is kind of what you're setting here. The people, these are the, the research, high performers, you know, leaders of companies, et cetera, performers on stage. That's what they want to be doing. And they, and it sounds like one of the things you do first and foremost is you get really clear about what is your priority around there? What do you want to look like on stage every single night? And then how do we take these steps to line up yeah. everything we do in our work together yeah. so that can be achieved? Yeah. And it's, and it's as simple as asking the question. We joke about this, like in our small groups or like when I'm working with someone, we joke about it, but it's like, the question could be, does it make the show better? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then we probably don't do that thing. If the answer is yes, or maybe then we can be curious about how it might be valuable and then make an educated decision. But I think the mm -hmm. whole process goes back always about being present first. Yeah. And this, this ties back into my own experience, but like I lacked presence forever. I didn't, I didn't know what presence was until I was 31 years old. So I've only had about a year and a half of like actually understanding how to become present, to drop into my body, to see the world around me, actually see it and feel it. But from a place of presence, you can achieve gratitude. So because I'm present, I'm in my body. Now I'm grounded here in this room. I can look at what's at my feet. I can take note of the things that surround me, both like physically, materially, this cup of coffee, but also the relationships I have, the way I might feel about myself, I can be grateful. And then because I'm grateful, I can take active steps and be excited yeah. about the work that's to come. And I think far too often, we don't have excitement, we don't have hope, we don't have, like, I don't know, I know I didn't have any. And so yeah. it's interesting for me to have people be like lost in the monotony of their work. It, it shows up for, you know, Grammy award-winning artists or people mm -hmm. who have nine figure businesses. They're like stuck in the monotony of this like stressful thing. And I'm like, wait, take a step back, detach, get present in your body. Now look at how grateful you might be able to become. And then we can be excited about yeah. the next step or the next right step in the direction of that future. That's worth living. And it's been as such you, a as, cool practice for me. Yeah. As you talk about this holistic approach that you take, it yeah. sounds like you were, you're very diligent and very intentional about considering the various aspects of yeah. a person's life. And just kind of name for our, for our listeners, you know, that, that might even kind of do a little 
mental checklist and, you know, I, I kind yeah. of, uh, right here, what are some of the foundational wellness areas that you evaluate with a person yeah. about their life? I have six, six pillars. Tell me. In order, quality sleep is one. Connection to self, two. Mm-hmm. Connection to others, three. Intentional movement, four. Life-giving nutrition, five. And mm-hmm. play is six. Very and now good. an activity or an experience could cover multiple pillars, you know, mm-hmm. sure. like I sit for a meditation session. That's probably connection to self. If I do it in a room full of other people, maybe that like counts a compound, connection to yeah. other. Kind of like a yeah, compound workout you know, right there. Yeah. There's ways to game the system for yeah. sure. But I think with any, with any self-improvement journey or self-betterment experience, often we like see it as everything. Right? And so often what I notice is people come to me from a place of chaos I do a lot of sober companionship work. So there's a lot of individuals who come to me like straight out of rehab or they've been like recommended that they find help. And like, I happen to be the guy that Mm -hmm. maybe their manager is like, Hey, I think Ben could be the guy that might be able to help us outside of some like rehabilitation experience or, you know, whatever it is. And it's funny because often people come from a place of chaos and then they fly all the way to the other end of the spectrum and they're like super rigid and they adhere to the protocols and there's no room for any mistakes. Yeah. And then they realize that that is not sustainable either. And they fly all the way back to chaos. And then it's usually after that second round of chaos, we come back to somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle that's a bit more sustainable where the mechanisms by which we achieve the results are actually sustainable. So the results themselves can be sustainable. And well, let's and talk about I that just, piece right there. Let's yeah, talk about that piece. When yeah. we do that, when we do that pendulum swing, it's usually well intended, yeah. and we tend oh, to go. Sure. You know, there's even a, a natural law that says, you know, you you go to equal and opposite ends. You know, when something's in motion, <laughs> so that's what we do until we recognize that 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 pendulum swing has me kind of going from all or nothing to you know everything that's so rigidly yeah. tight that I haven't got much margin. Then you talk about in time, we kind of reach yeah. this really sweet middle, maybe this third way, and there. I, and when I think about that middle. You know, and, and when I think about that pendulum swing, so oftentimes that pendulum swing is driven by motivation, for sure. how I'm feeling. And this middle is almost always dictated and sustained by discipline. Tease those two apart for us. How do you understand that? Yeah. yeah. I call that that middle way, that third way. I call that the gray. Yeah. So it's not black or white. It's the grays we and the rainbows in- right there. Grays and the rainbows right there in the middle. <laughs> yeah. We live in the gray. That's the goal. We live in the gray, but this topic of motivation or discipline or whatever you want to call it, I can assure you that motivation is fleeting. Yeah. I am not motivated. I can probably count on the, on this hand, the number of times I've been truly motivated to accomplish a task and it didn't last very long. So when people come to me and they're like, Hey, how do you stay motivated? I'm like, I'm not, Yeah, I'm definitely not motivated, but I think it's twofold where I, I know, and I'm very cognizant of where I've been. Yeah. And the pain I've experienced in my life. And I think there's people that are are either driven by their aversion to pain or their excitement for pleasure. And mm-hmm. I am very much, I am very much the, oh my God, I don't want any pain type of guy. So I, you know, I'm the stick. Carry to the stick, I'm the stick. If you got the stick, I'm moving. And so I think for me, it's just understanding where I've been and knowing that future Ben this Ben who's living the ideal future that I have decided I want yeah. is, is going to be very, very excited that I decided to do the hard thing today. Yes, And that could show up in so many forms. It could be sitting down for my breath work that I don't want to do. It could be journaling in my notebook. It could be calling that friend. It could be 
hitting my workout, like any number of things that I don't actually want to do today. I know for sure that future Ben is going to be excited about it. Yeah. And I think for me, me specifically and the people I work with, it's about creating the systems that are accessible and sustainable. And I call them ritual practice. Yes. And so I'm, I'm not so concerned with the ritual itself. Like there are a million ways to skin this cat, but I'm really excited about your ability to repeat that ritual. You bet. And so I call, I call it the double R, the repeat ritual. Like, I don't care what it is. You do what you got to do. We're all different. I'm going to create the safe space, mm -hmm. but I want you to take ownership of the thing. Yeah. And you better believe that I'm going to be championing your efforts. But like, I work with a lot of small groups. So it's like three, four, five, 15 people. And everybody's ritual might be different, but like, we don't miss. And I think that goes into your part about dedication. Yes. And you can approach dedication from the same perspective, this carrot or the stick. Right. And there's like this angry, aggressive dedication that might come in the form of like that high school football coach who's like, you better go. Right. Like, you better do it because like, right. I'm going to beat you up if you don't. Yeah. And I think often people see their their dedication to a practice from through that lens or from that perspective. Yeah. And that feels icky. Yeah. Like that feels icky. I don't, I don't like that, but this idea of an expansive, yeah. I call it devotion, not dedication, yeah. De devotion from this expansive, I said life-giving nutrition earlier, but it's life-giving. It creates momentum yeah. My dedication to the practice is because I know for sure, I know for sure, because I've done it in my own life already, that by executing on the things that I know that I want, or mm -hmm. that will get me closer to the thing that I know that I want, by executing now, future Ben will be way better off. And I know that for sure. I really, and, yeah. uh, I, I, I really appreciate the distinction between motivation and discipline. You know, Mike Tyson yeah. says discipline is when motivation wears out. You know, yeah. and when you're not feeling, you just, it, you just do it. It always does. It always it does. Always you, does. Yeah. you can't ride a high for too long. And it's nice to, it's nice to be pumped up, but. I do have a, an addition to this topic mm, and I don't please. mean to cut you off really quick, no, but before please, I forget, I, so a lot of my work, most of my time is spent in this like one-on-one -on -one or small group, Ben on a few. I love that environment. Like I said, that work is almost exclusively like word of mouth and referral based. I don't yet really have an avenue for the general public to, to come into that space. The app is for that. We'll talk about the app at some point, but that's like a more public facing, like lower barrier to entry. Hey, if you want to do some resistance training or whatever, here's a place for you to navigate resistance training, maybe a little bit of mobility, check in with your body. Here's some breath work. Like that's a really cool opportunity for most people to start participating with me in the work that I do. But I get asked all the time, all the time, Ben, I used to be an athlete or Ben, I'm just starting out my fitness journey. I'm not motivated to do it. I'm scared of what people are going to think about me. I don't know where to go. And I always start with two things. First, you must be curious. Mm -hmm. You must be curious. You must be interested in something. Start there. That curiosity will allow you to not only explore one thing, but ultimately many things that might prove valuable to you. And it could be like a new way of eating, a new way of training, a new way of thinking about the world. It doesn't have to be resistance just training. Just pick something and just start. Anything, yeah. pick anything. Yeah. And then second, once you're curious yeah. and you take an action step in the direction of something that's novel, new, probably scary, and list the help of an external accountability source. Mm -hmm. It can take the form of a partner, a parent, a child, yeah. a trainer. I'm a trainer. So like 
a trainer <laughs> or a gym community. You bet. You get bet. some form of external accountability because in moments where motivation wanes, they will keep you accountable. And if you have curiosity and excitement around the activity mm-hmm. and you have an external accountability source, you stand at least a chance of participating long enough to see a positive result. Yeah. I think far too often people think that change is immediate. I'm sure you experience this in the mental health space. It's like, well, why aren't my problems going away? Why don't I feel mm-hmm. differently? And you're like, well, you've been in therapy for like four days, dude. Like, what yeah. did you think was going to happen? Right. This is a lifetime effort. And so yeah. the longer, I said it earlier, but if the mechanisms by which you achieve your results are not sustainable, then the results themselves are not sustainable. Yeah. So if the practice can't last forever, mm-hmm. good luck. Like good luck. Well, let's talk about that piece. Yeah, well, let's talk about that piece because then we're talking. We can't motivate somebody. We can we can vision cast and we can inspire, yeah. Yeah. but we can't motivate somebody. That's that's their own choice, and we can encourage discipline, but that's their decision ultimately. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying. We can be yeah. someone who comes alongside them back in the day. They, when they, I mean, you're in the military, you probably know some aspect of this, so they don't teach it quite the same way as they used to. But they used to say, when you're going to dig a foxhole to be in war together, always dig it for two because you don't yeah. want to be in battle by yourself. You know, you want to be with somebody alongside you. Same thing here, battling yeah. to maintain a healthy yeah. foundation in one's life. And, you know, you're talking about it. I, I love this idea of just, just, you know, with the groups you're, you're talking about, just show up, just be yeah. there, just never miss. The, the same guy I talked about, Marv Dumpy, talked about, you know, athletes and coaches, you know, say, well, you got to give 100% all the time, 110%. Mm-hmm. There's no 110%. And sometimes not even 100% today. I've Rarely. got about, I've got about 65% of my tank. And he would yeah. say, if you got 65% in your tank, give me 100% of your 65. If you can give me that yep. today, give me all of that. I can do that. And that's what you're describing here. Just show up. Let us be together and let's watch how good things come of that when we do. But talk about just for a moment as we kind of name those things. Yeah. What What's the biggest struggle, do you think? Even folks have been doing this for a while. What's the biggest struggle mm. to stay with it ultimately, do you find? I think it goes back to that black or white thinking. Mm. And it's like, if I do miss, I'm somehow an awful person. Very you good. See, you, see this, you see this in so many domains, but like nutrition is a great one. Well, if I'm going to eat the cookie, I'll eat 39 cookies. And like, this is just an extreme example. But one of my favorite analogies is like, if you had a flat tire, would you go ahead and pop the other three or would you fix the one? (laughs) That's a good analogy. I think think you fix the one and you keep driving. I think far too often, and I want to go back to your point about, and I said it first, but never missing. Yes. That's an extreme take. Missing takes many forms. I think the only way you blow it is if you quit. So if you miss, that's okay. We are human. Tomorrow, when the opportunity to hit comes up, hit. That's right. Show up. And I think, I think, I think, you know, alliteration aside, movement begets momentum Mm -hmm. and momentum beats motivation every single time. You bet. Every time. Yeah, yeah, really good. Those things that stay well, those things that get in motion tend to stay in motion. And yeah. I love that idea and, where you're saying, yeah, go. Self-confidence. It's about self-confidence. Mm-hmm. More than anything, more than anything, it's about building self-confidence. And that comes in so many forms. It's like, am I able to keep the promises I mm-hmm. I set with myself? Am I able to keep the promises I set to my accountability structure? Yeah. Am I able to follow through in moments where I feel like shit? Yes. 
People think I have it all figured out. I screw up every day. I feel like crap most days. I'm tired. I'm all the things. Yeah. But like, you better believe that I'm going to do everything in my power to show up for myself. And I just know for sure that by showing up, that movement will initiate momentum. And it might not even be in the direction. It might not even be in the direction that I think I want. My life has taken so many different paths. It has, it has created so much opportunity by just showing up. And I know that fitness and wellness is the context here, but like apply it to any domain, show up for your children. You bet. Show up for your children and watch that relationship grow and expand in a way that you couldn't even fathom. And if that feels scary or you don't know how to do it, start with fitness. You bet. That's really you know? good, man. Well, talking about fitness, yeah. you have one way of providing accountability and kind of joining people even yeah. kind of vicariously with your online training app, Train yeah. with Ben. Tell us about that, Ben. <laughs> so this was a, a special project for me. My challenge to myself this year, 2023, was to be more public facing with my work. I've always either been like a part of a gym system or like owned my own facility and the facility itself, or like maybe the clientele that I work with gives me a little bit of cover, gotcha. keeps me safe. You know, it's Ben of X gym or Ben that works with Y client. Sure. And I wanted an opportunity to step into a more public facing Ben forward coaching experience. Yeah. And so the app was a really nice opportunity to do that. I aligned with a with a company that basically gets me, it's a really cool system. It's called Playbook. But basically, if you enroll in training with Ben, you get access to all the other creators on the Playbook system. Huh. So it's such an incred- incredible tool. There's all different modalities, yoga, Pilates, strength training, running, like anything you can imagine, it's accessible there. And because the majority of people who consume me publicly are like general population clients who are really just looking for opportunities to move their body more, it was the perfect opportunity. And so Train With Ben is a very, very low cost, low barrier to entry opportunity to either do exactly the training that I do or a series of foundational training programs. And they include in gym with weight, at home with weight, body weight only, mobility only. And then my favorite portion is a breathwork section. And so back to the the goal being achieving presence. It's like unbeknownst to you, if you move your body, if you do the training, you'll probably achieve some presence. You might get a little more grounded. You might feel your body a bit more than you did previous. But now there's another layer where you can actually sit intentionally navigate a breathwork experience and maybe dive deeper into, you know, the present moment. And I think there's a really cool way to frame it, especially with the clientele that I work with, where it's like, if you want to be the most effective in your work, then you want to live in this present moment, Mm -hmm. clear the fog. The best decisions are made right here. The -hmm. only thing that is real is this moment. Nothing exists outside of this moment that we're sharing right now Mm -hmm. for us. And I think that framing it in that way has been so impactful, just specifically for the clientele that I work with, just because they are so results driven. Yeah. And it's like, yo, this feeds the result, the result that you want. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, and, and the nice part about this is that this is applicable to whoever wants to employ Oh, for sure. These kinds of strategies yeah. and this kind of a grounded foundational life. And, you know, I know we're, we're, we're kind of, kind of rounding the bend and coming home just kind of the end of our, our show today. I and mean, I could go on with you. We're going to have you back at some point. 
I would love to talk about this. I would love it as well. I'm enjoying our time today. But, you know, for those listeners that are tuning in today who might themselves be navigating, let's say, a health or a wellness, maybe their own physical fitness struggle, maybe even some of the Mm -hmm. mental wellness struggle around that, give them a takeaway message of encouragement and maybe kind of just to walk away and think about today. Yeah. I often have a rotating mantra in my life. Right now I have two. I have two mantras, but one when I wake up in the morning that I say, it's written on my mirror in the bathroom. Another, during my journal practice, I end my journaling practice with the second. But the first one is, I'm not afraid to be seen trying. Mm -hmm. And I think far too often, especially in these types of journeys, self-improvement journeys that might include introducing training, introducing movement, introducing a new way of eating. Eating and nutrition is a very interesting one because like religion and politics, people often identify with the way that they decide to consume food. And so that can often be a hard one to change. Sure. But being okay with it not being perfect, being okay, being seen, trying something novel and understanding that like initially, I'm probably going to suck at this. I'm going to get it wrong. And that's okay. That's totally okay. And then the second piece of this is that in the end, it's going to be all right. Like for sure. In the end, it's going to be all right. And if it's not all right right now, then it's not the end. That's right. That's right. And so I think to like kind of close that, bring that all together. I'm sure you're familiar with finite and infinite games. And if not, I'll explain briefly. But so the finite game, there are players. They know they're playing the game. They know of the other players. They know who they're fighting against. There are an established set of rules that dictate how to execute this game. And then at the end, there is a winner. Both teams will know there is a winner, there is a loser. Now, on the the other end, there's the infinite game where there are people that are playing and they know they're playing. They know of other competitors, but there are a ton of other people participating that we don't even know about. Mm. Not defined, not defined players. The rules of the game aren't really established. Mm. There are no rules, really. You navigate it the way you see best fit. And then at the end, there is no end. And there are no established winners and no established losers. The goal of the infinite game is just to continue playing the game. Mm-hmm. And I think far too often, especially especially with mental health, with relational health, with physical health, wellness, people apply the rules and structure of the finite game to a thing that is infinite. That's right. The goal of this game is to keep playing the game. Yeah, keep moving, like you said before. Yeah. Yeah. And so so if for anything, like I'm not afraid to be seen trying, and neither are you, to the listener, and to you, Graham, yourself, neither are you. Mm-hmm. So show up, and if it's not all right right now, it's not the end. Just stay with it. Keep playing the game. Yeah. Yeah, just keep showing up. It's interesting too when you say that. I know we're going to wind down here, but you know when I when I'm at the gym or when I'm you know doing other sports, you know oftentimes you you'll you'll see somebody come into the gym who may not be in the best of shape, but yeah. the fact of the matter is they're there, oh. and they are the most motivating people to me because yeah. I know what it took for them to get yeah. into the gym. I know what they had to overcome. And I look forward to seeing them. I, I may or may not, I may or may not know them. Usually I go up and I'll say hello to most people that kind of come in just yeah. on the gym we have where I live. 
But nonetheless, the the fact that they're there, I look forward to seeing them because they motivate yeah. me because I know they're going to be there. And there's something about their presence yeah. that motivates mine. And yeah. I think I, th- I think that whole society will begin to kind of motivate each other because we're all showing up and we're expecting good things to happen when we do for yeah. for, for our own individual you know goals or or reasons and yeah you know as we come as we come around the bend here Ben I keep using that term but it, it it's, it's the case <laughs> I would love our listeners to be able to follow up with you after our show yeah. today where can yeah. they learn more about you your work your app give us some connections here for you yeah so my social media is Ben V Smith. B-E-N-V-E-E-S-M-I-T-H. Got it. And my website is the same, benvsmith.com. And then the app is trainwithben.app. You can access it via my social media, via the website, and also just at that link, trainwithben.app. The last thing I'll say is that to your point about getting into the gym, about maybe feeling uncomfortable, we get tied to this idea that our situation is somehow unique. Mm-hmm. And you talked about my vulnerability very early on. Mm -hmm. And I am so committed to being vulnerable because I know for sure that by showing up in this way, I might allow another person to show up in a more vulnerable way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And And learn that our experiences are far more similar than they are different. The inputs might be vastly different, but the experience that we are navigating here today in the world is so similar to the person to your left and to your right. And the more that we could just understand that, I think the more understanding, the more empathy, the more love we'll have for not only ourselves, but for everyone else that we encounter. And I think like, that's the root of the whole thing. I'm so happy that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, I I can't think of a better way to wind down a show like this. So I appreciate (laughs) you putting that kind of capstone on the time that we get to have together today. Ben, it's been great to be with you. And uh, we look forward to having you back again. But for today, I sure appreciate you being with us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Nice to have you here. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for dropping by and joining Ben and me today. It's always great to have you with us as well. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and an archive of all of our other episodes and resource materials can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash bht. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.